Connell Tribune, Thursday the 1st of April 2021. Irish Unity, time to start the discussion. Claire Byrne clearly set the cat amongst the pigeons last week when she hosted a major programme on the subject of Irish Unity. For the first time in my lifetime with RTE, the state broadcaster, allocating major primetime viewing to the most important issue in the country since partition almost 100 years ago. But an issue which was put in the back burner once the victors in the Civil War took power. And then after the Legion of the Rearguard took power in 32, it set about copper fastening a 26 county state for the next 90 years, along with its social democratic partners in Finn Gael, who declared a republic in 49, a republic in name only as the six counties in the truncated northern statelet was still a separate entity. The IRA in 1919-21 fought a war of independence to remove the British from the whole island. The 1918 election showed a massive majority for independence, but resistance from loyalists and connivance from the British left us with a divided country again copper fastened by the Boundary Commission in 26. The British and Unionists omitted Donegal, Cavan and Monaghan from the new six-county statelet, as the large nationalist majority would have helped vote the statelet out of existence within a few decades. Even within the six counties, Tyrone, Fermanagh, South Derry, South Armagh, South Down and Derry City itself had a nationalist majority at the time of partition. But if the British had allowed them to join the Free State, then the North would have been unworkable. It was of its time. After World War I, many countries were broken up or joined together to make new countries. Ethnic groups slumped together in eventual unworkable scenarios. Czechoslovakia, Hungary, Yugoslavia, Poland, Finland, Austria, Lithuania, Latvia and Estonia. Nine new countries with various ethnic groups living within the new borders. Thus Ireland suffered the same fate. Protestant Unionists in the jettison border counties were dumped by Britain and the new Free State, whereas Catholic Nationalists were abandoned by the new government in Dublin to be forever domiciled in a northern sectarian wasteland, dominated by Unionists and de facto a part of the UK. That was the way it would be for the next century. Dublin created a 26-county state, which eventually morphed into a republic. The six counties became an integral part of the UK. Nationalists were locked within a segregated apartheid statelet. Religious bigots, partisan police force, the RUC and the B-Specials, who were ex-loyalist paramilitaries. Pogroms, loyalist death squads, internment in every decade until the 70s. Gerrymandering, lack of employment and education for nationalists. It was a bog hole of a statelet where nationalists like my parents just worked and kept their heads down and got on with things. In the Free State Republic, they also got on with things. When Liam Lynch was killed and Frank Aiken put down arms at the end of the Civil War, it was only meant as a prelude until the struggle began again. Also, Collins seen the treaty as a stepping stone to freedom. He was arming the Northern IRA before his death. He also never foresaw the partition of the country to be a permanent thing, but that's the way it became and took on the look of an everlasting concept within the Unionist monolithic control at Stormont. 
Within the Free State Republic, things also took on a permanency which was never the intention. While it trimmed away at the obvious British institutions and engaged in an economic war in the 30s, it also created a new constitution in 37, which was more in line with a direction from the Vatican than a republic. Neutrality in World War II gave us a feeling of nationhood, and in 49 a republic was declared. Again, a 26-county republic, which wasn't acceptable to republicans, but those in power were more than happy to declare the self-same republic as Ireland. And the British reinforced through legislation that Northern Ireland was part of the UK forevermore. So we emerged into the swinging 60s, a divided country, and by all accounts it appeared that was the way it was going to be. I was born in 53 in that God-forsaken part of the world. As my golf buddies in Galway Bay would say, sure you're British. And our Egyptian chef, Osama, who just got Irish citizenship recently, would chip in, you go home British. Now I don't need to emphasize here, deep in the Fannin Peninsula where Lord Leitrim bit the dust, that anyone born anywhere in Ireland is Irish, as borne out by the recent case of D'Souza versus the British state. We don't need to go into the history of the last 50 years of partition, but needless to say, nationalists rejected the sectarian statelet from the late 60s. And Republicans once again embraced armed struggle to try and finish what Lynch, Aiken and Collins left in abeyance in 1923. Fifty years from Bontalot, the curfew, the arms trail, internment, and a hundred years on from the 5th of May next when the illegal, in my opinion, six-county statehood was set up, we now find that the scenario which Britain and the Unionists never wanted to happen is on their doorstep. When I was 16 in 1970, there were one million Unionists in the six counties and half a million Nationalists. Belfast was 60-40 in favour of Unionism. Now, half a century later, we have a major change which has brought the issue of Irish unity and a border pole to the forefront. In the last census held in the six counties in 2011, 45.1% stated Catholic Nationalists as their description, whereas 48.4% described themselves as Protestant Unionists. In an added question, 39.9% said they were British, whereas 46.2% asserted themselves as Irish or Northern Irish. In Belfast City Council, at present, the breakdown is Sinn Féin 18, SDLP 6, DUP 15, PUP 2, Alliance 10, Greens 4, PBP 3. So the Shinners are the dominant party in Belfast, when incredibly in 81 they didn't have one councillor. So with 24 nationalist councillors, 17 unionists and 17 from the Rainbow Alliance of Greens, PB, PBP and Alliance, it's some change from 1970. Less than two weeks ago they held the census in the six counties, the first one since 2011 fully digital and in the middle of the pandemic at that, but I suppose they've all got the AstraZeneca by now, while in our wonderful land of the free, we're getting by on Panadol. What will the 2021 census up north show us? It's very likely it will confirm that for the first time since partition there's a nationalist majority. How that will pan out will be decisive. The GFA was built 
and to its many agreements that when a majority are in favour of a referendum on Irish unity, then the British government shall grant one. In effect, all that is required is a 50% plus one vote, but that probably isn't the type of majority we'd like to see. What do we need then? The first thing required is that unionists sit down with nationalists and talk about the future and what it'll look like. We all know there are two tribes in the six counties, unionists, loyalists, republicans, nationalists. Sinn Féin and the DUP sweep up most votes in each community, so you'd expect in a unity referendum their voters will vote in traditional fashion. But a new factor has emerged in recent times in the six counties, the Northern Irish vote. Is it a unionist or nationalist vote by proxy? Is it nailer? Do those who identify themselves as Northern Irish consider they are nailer Irish or British, but Northern Irish? We have to be honest, it's a fairly middle-class vote. Andrew Trimble, who spoke eloquently on the Clare Byrne show recently, might be a perfect example. Rory the same. Hailing from salubrious Hollywood, he played his early golf in Hollywood Golf Club with the Union Jack flew and the Queen's portrait hung in the foyer. Rory wouldn't know West Belfast from West Florida or Augusta, where the masters flow through the Azaleas, but many West Belfast youths would have visited Hollywood barracks to be interrogated back in the day. So let's say that a lot of the middle-class alliance type wouldn't be voting for unity, but they are a tiny minority and aren't likely to make a difference to the referendum debate. When it comes down to it, the two blocks of unionism and nationalism will decide the discussion and the debate. So we come back to the debate in RTE last week. It was hosted by Claire Byrne, who is excellent in that role, filled so well by Vincent Brown for many years. In the studio, she had Mary Lou and Leo, former rugby player Andrew Trimble, former Taoiseach John Bruton, and then on Taoiseach himself, Michal Martin. Alliance leader Naomi Campbell, the DUP's Gregory Campbell, and barrister and former Derry player Joe Brawley, all on big screens behind the panel. Claire is feisty. She's proved she can mix it with any of the political heavyweights. Her bit of handbags with Joe Brawley was interesting. While Joe might have thought she was another Baywatch babe like Rachel Wise, he soon found out she was more a balls-bridge, peroxide, ballsy bitch who wore the trousers as she gave Joe the first red card in his long career. After she objected to his references to Campbell as the waterside homophobic sectarian racist. The most interesting thing to emerge from the discussion was how much Mary Lou and Leo appeared to concur, and maybe even Mehal on occasion. Even John Bruton came up to the plate. There was less attack on the shinners from the establishment parties and a more realistic discussion on the subject matter rather than harken back to whether Big Jerry was still in the ra or was Martin a dove. I thought it said a lot about where we are in the discussion already. It's early days, but there's a realisation that the numbers game is up for unionism, unless you're like Gregory and the DUP and your maths never got past O-level. For a hundred years in this part of the world, the two main parties paid lip service to reunification. At election time, they lit bonfires along the road and raised the tricolour and claimed they were for unity, but never once in a century did they lift a finger to bring the issue to a head. 
In effect, they were a mirror image of unionism who rolled out the big drum in the union jacked and claimed loyalty to the crown while treating their own working class as dirt. I've lived in the Republic over 40 years now and I love the place, but I find it sad that there's a petitionist mentality which exists and that's how the state developed under the control of Fianna Fáil and Finn Gael. Many a time in my early years living here I heard people suggest that this was Ireland and the North was a different country. I was in shock. I've talked to Irish army soldiers who told me that Lifford ended at Lifford or Calais, that Ireland ended at Lifford or Calais. They were career soldiers serving under commanders and politicos who weren't over keen and crossing the border in 69. And I would have thought that's why people joined an army, not just for a jolly in the lab. So for the first time since 1923, the existence of the Northern Statelet was been challenged, but we were found wanting and it played its part in a conflict which lasted 30 years before reaching peace again. The main reason the conflict ended in the six counties was the realisation that within 50 years of the new millennium, the North would vote itself out of the UK. That reality was within republicanism and civic and business unionism must have realised it as well, and the British have realised it long ago. Tim Pat Coogan, the former editor of the Irish Press, defined it succinctly 20 years ago. It's not worth another death. The six counties will vote itself out of the Union within a few generations. Incredibly and long before the predictions, the debate on Irish unity has come centre stage, but we need to have the discussion now. We can't sit back and in 20 years have a referendum which creates unity, but leaves us with insurmountable problems. A new Ireland must be a fitting place to face into the future. There'll be a million unionists in New Ireland. By 2050, we'll have a population of 9 million. Unionism will make up one-ninth. That's one million out of 9 million, a sizable minority, which must be respected, but they can't be allowed to dictate what our future should be. In a referendum, we could expect that 90% in the Republic would vote for unity and possibly 55% in the six counties. That's a small majority in the north and an overwhelming majority in the whole island. We need now to have the debate within the Republic and in the six counties and also with the British who will have a part to play as their days of involvement in our country come to an end. Unionism will need to be embraced and shown the benefits of New Ireland, the financial implications that will let the north embrace the vibrant economy here which is vastly superior to their handout statelet. We must aim to make the new republic a viable alternative to the cesspit that is the six counties, that all religions can live together without hindrance, that we are a modern European republic, which the six counties will become again after unity. We have let our unionist friends see that we live in a state that embraces diversity, same-sex marriage, abortion, colour, migrants, minorities, and at the same time, we need to get our act together as regards travellers and the homeless. A modern European Republic can't accept discrimination against any minority or the obscenity of homeless people on our streets. These are all issues which will be brought to the table over the next few years as we prepare for the ultimate referendum on unity. Unionism must also see that we can allow them to preserve their own identities. If some are happy to keep their British passport, okay, so be it. 
If they want to commemorate again away to horse riding shotgun over the barn, fine. Let them march away. We have it at Rosnowler every year and it's no problem. There will be problems in the tough working class loyalist areas, but then there are problems in Ballymunnan and parts of Limerick, say la vie. In the whole debate, we must also not overlook Northern Nationalists. In the hundred years of protection, they have been the cohort of Irish people who have been the most neglected. Imagine what it was like to find yourself in a, nice, a nationalist wakening up in 1921 and find yourself locked into the partition statelet. How devastating must it have been the realisation you'd been given the short straw. An Irish citizen locked permanently within the orange statelet, programmes on a daily basis sucking the life out of your community. The Free State Army slaughtering fellow Republicans in Cork and Kerry and indeed Donegal. Yet they weren't prepared to help Republicans in Belfast and Derry. The dream of the Republic was gone for the moment. My mum was born just as the Civil War ended. She would have been 102 years. The lifespan of partition. She is gone, but so is partition. Northern nationalism, just as much as unionism, have to be respected as equal parts of the nation. As we reach into the third decade of the new millennium, there are massive changes on the horizon. The discussion on Irish unity has started, like partition itself or the Boundary Commission, the Anglo-Irish Agreement or the Good Friday Agreement and Brexit, it won't be easy. It'll be painstakingly slow and drawn out because we will have to get it right, but the benefits will be there for all to see. And maybe even Gregory Campbell will embrace Joe Brawley in a love-in with Clareburn.